Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who, which is a sci-fi show about the future, and I tell you all about it. A sci-fi show about the future? That sounds like a show I want to hear all about. <laughs> it has not been that for the past few episodes, but but no, that's what... No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's a time travel show, so we get a little, little future, a little past, alien planets, Earth, Earth in the future. Um, we even occasionally yeah. get present, quote unquote, which is 1960s, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we just stopped by the 1960s, actually. But before we get into that, uh, what are you even up to, Kyle? So, since the last time we recorded, uh, I believe my biggest video game news is that I finished Tears of the Kingdom. Oh shit! Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. It was uh, it was good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. the The final boss fight was a lot of fun. Um, I won't nice. I won't spoil it or anything. What happens? How, in how it, many tries did it take you? Actually, I did it on my first try. It wasn't that difficult. Hell yeah, listeners! You heard it here first. Kyle is a badass. <laughs> he's, a, he's a pro gamer. I I did a lot in the game. Like I found all of the shrines. You know, I when I say found, I mean looked up where they were online and visited the and locations. <laughs> but I went to all the shrines, I went to all the light routes, I completed all of the side quests and all of the side adventures and all of wow. the main quests. With all of that, like my official in-game completion percentage was like 56-57%. Holy crap. Yeah, it's wild how much there is potentially to do i did basically yeah. everything i intended to do so i'm, I'm happy with <laughs> well, still, my 57 I mean, percent game like that yeah that's that's uh, noteworthy um my gaming news is i've been playing a lot of star wars jedi survivor which is the sequel to star wars jedi fallen order i love the first game i'm really enjoying the second the characters are fantastic um and i enjoy the gameplay i enjoy being cal kestis that the titular Jedi survivor. <laughs> um, I enjoy BD One, his little robots. Uh, anyway, it's good stuff. I quite enjoy it. Nice. Yeah, I'll probably pick that up at some point. But I'm basically currently finishing the storyline of Hard Space Shipbreaker, and then I'm probably going to pick up Baldur's Gate after that. Cool. Yeah. As soon as my momentum slows on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, I'm probably going to pick up Baldur's Gate. Maybe maybe sometime I have some time off from work so that I can really dive into it. Although, you know, uh, Jedi Survivor is kind of a semi-open world game. Like, there are parts of it that sort of resemble an open world game. Like, it's not technically, but it's, you know, it has a lot of the similar elements of exploration and collecting stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a game that you can very easily sink many, many hours into. Uh, so I don't know when that will be, but on the other hand, I also want to play Baldur's Gate while it's still fresh in people's minds. Yeah. I know that you and I both have friends who have played it and it sounds like you were going to play it. So <laughs> I shouldn't wait too, too long before picking that one up too. Well, shall we get to our Doctor Who for the episode? Yes, we should. 
This is the 26th episode of season three, The Steel Sky. Heck yeah. It is, of course, the first episode of a new serial, and in what I think has kind of become Doctor's Watcher tradition, I won't quite mention the name of the serial just yet. Ah, interesting. No spoilers then. This serial was directed by Michael Imason, and apparently not only was this the only Doctor Who serial that he directed... The last episode of this serial was the last episode of television that he ever directed. What I, yeah, what I read or what I understood from what I read on the TARDIS Data Core website is basically that somebody at the BBC like didn't like him and, oh, and ended okay. his career there. So it's not like he died or something. No. I mean, you know, that sucks about his career ending, but... Yeah. I guess he went on to become a literary agent, so... Oh. He's still alive, as far as I gathered. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so that was the director, and who who wrote it? So the credited writers of this episode are Paul Erickson and Leslie Scott. Cool, two writers... Leslie Scott was the first female writer credited on Doctor Who. Oh, cool. However. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) there's a however. Uh Uh-huh. As far as I understood from the TARDIS data core, she didn't actually do any work on it. It was all Paul Erickson. And she was his wife at the time. And... He is quoted as, you know, like talking about his reasons for sharing the on-screen writer's credit with her. And he said, it was a personal arrangement I had with her, which was my own personal business at the time. The circumstances went into history. I need say no more than that. He could say a little more than that, because that is very mysterious. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, uh, make of that what you will, I guess. Yeah, that's, you know, that's all I could find about it. So. Huh. Yeah. Well, I could speculate, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, from what we've seen so far, it's probably not anything good. So, but it's, you know, we, we don't really know. So maybe better not to speculate. Yeah. Anymore. I mean, I will, I will give the benefit of the doubt to the situation and assume that, Maybe at home, Paul and Leslie like talked about the stories he was working on or something. She huh. gave him ideas, maybe. I'm not sure if that's what I would get out of that very mysterious quote of his, but okay. I, I like the optimism, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next question is, how do you watch it? Speaking of optimism. Nice. <laughs> there is good news for those of you watching along on BritBox. Oh, cool. That must mean we have the whole serial. 
Yep, this is the first episode of season three that is available on BritBox, and we do oh, have the whole cereal. I mean, I guess we've only had like two cereals. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you might remember the title, The Steel Sky, from episode 15, where we talked about how BritBox has misnumbered all of the season three episodes that it has. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so yeah, so that should have been a clue that BritBox has that episode, <laughs> and therefore that this serial is not missing. Uh-huh. Ah, I see. Astute listeners may have already picked up on that. <laughs> I, I am not that astute, however. So I don't actually remember if we had a cliff dangler or not. Um, well, we kind of, we picked up a new uh, companion. Oh, Dodo. that's right. Yeah, that was a kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of at the last minute. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this episode starts, we fade in. We don't actually see Dodo get picked up again. We just are intended to remember that from last time. Which is a shame because it's a missing episode and it would have been nice to have it as a recap so that we have her first yeah. moments. We fade in on a reptile of some sort, which gets harassed by a large bird and then the camera pans over to a humanoid creature okay so this reptile the bird and the humanoid creature how many of these are like uh puppets how many of them are stock <laughs> footage um or how, how are we doing this kyle because because we have this episode so now right. i ask these things so the reptile might or might not have been real. It might have been a model. It might have been a real reptile. The bird, I'm pretty sure, was an actual bird. Cool. And, and like, we pan directly from the reptile and bird over to the humanoid creature. So not stock footage, for sure. Cool. And tell me more about this humanoid creature, then. So we see it first from behind... It is humanoid. I'm pretty sure that it's another of the nudist alien species that Doctor Who likes to do. Uh Uh-huh. Its skin is very loose, almost as if it's an actor wearing a rubber suit. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And it's got, like, very shaggy hair on its head. And, you know, we see it from behind, but then it turns toward the camera And we get to see, I guess, its face, which is pretty interesting. I I, I like that description. I guess its face, which is very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So imagine its loose, rubbery skin on its shoulders, you know, kind of going up into its neck and head area. Okay. Its shaggy hair covers basically the entire upper half of the head area basically like where you would expect a human to have eyes and ears and nose okay and then where a human would have a mouth this creature has a large mouth-sized eyeball oh okay so that's it that's the alien wow it's pretty cool uh yeah yeah, I actually, I was thinking about starting this episode by saying that I was hoping for a, a weird alien episode, so <laughs> I approve. Uh-huh, yeah, this episode delivers in, like, the first 30 seconds. So if our previous nudists were the finny nudists, 
what should we call these nudists? Uh, the the shaggy nudists because of their hair, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I can work with that. We do learn their official name before too long, so you'll get to do an image search and see okay. how close your imagination is. Alrighty. But yeah, they're pretty fucking great. I love that we get an awesome alien like immediately as soon as the episode starts, basically. Yeah, it didn't take me long to have my wish come true. The alien is cautiously walking through the jungle. The camera yeah, operator he get harassed by a bird. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> camera operator is following it most of the way until the camera eventually pans away from it and over to a clearing where the TARDIS materializes. Cool. Always nice when the doctor and his companions are in an episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really guaranteed necessarily. Yeah, we don't take it for granted. So the TARDIS shows up. Dodo immediately exits the TARDIS and sneezes. Okay. She's wearing sort of a medieval tabard with big, like, black and white panels, and it's got this design of, like, a sword and shield and stuff on it. Very cool. She's followed shortly after by Stephen, who starts reprimanding her for just rushing out. He's telling her about all the potential dangers they might encounter, like no gravity or poisoned atmosphere, or just, like, plain old getting lost. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. All good things to be aware of. Uh Uh-huh. And you know the BBC wants the kids out there to keep these things in mind? (laughs) She seems to believe that they're at Whipsnade, which is apparently a zoo outside of London. Okay, I, uh... Don't, don't know if they have shaggy nudists there, but they might. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh-huh. She hasn't seen the shaggy nudist yet, but she does point out a chameleon and a locust and a monitor, which is to say a reptile, not a view screen. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, these all sound like things you'd find on Earth. Uh-huh. She says that she came here on a school field trip once. The doctor comes out of the TARDIS a few moments later, and he tells Stephen that... Improbable as it may seem, dear boy, I think the child, uh, Dorothea... Dodo. Oh, yes, of course, my dear. Dodo is right. Huh, okay. Um, I wouldn't bet on it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. He doesn't really explain, like, how or why... He just says that it's more likely that they're on Earth than anywhere else. But okay. he does say that something is weird. You know, I've been taking a look at my instruments in there, and it's really, very strange. <laughs> I like it. That's always a good line in any serial. Uh-huh. He and Steven head back into the TARDIS, and... The camera pans over to show us that, of course, the shaggy nudist has been hiding and watching all of this. With its one eye. Mm-hmm. It's one large mouth-sized eye. <laughs> it's mouth. Mouth. 
Meow, meowth. <laughs> meowth. Nice. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> meowth, that's right. We cut to a courtroom of mostly humans with a few of the aliens. Okay. There's this man who's being found guilty of extreme carelessness in carrying out his duties. Huh. By leaving open the Y valve in the heat exchange unit, you could have caused an explosion that would have been fatal, not only to the human race, but also to our friends, the Monoids. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's the job description for, for whatever the responsibilities this guy's got? Yeah, seriously, like, heat exchange unit maintenance guy has pretty steep consequences. Yeah, man, if I fuck up my job, uh, our clients get mad at us, uh, <laughs> we might lose a contract. Uh-huh. Uh... <laughs> Probably won't cause the extermination of both the human race and, you know, some friendly allied monoid species. Uh-huh, seriously. Yeah, if I fuck up at my job, then, like, some software is broken. But not the software that controls the heat exchange uh, that could lead to the extermination of the human race. Not that software. Basically, some people might not be able to guess how well or to see my company's guess at how well their advertising might do alas so we do learn the alien's name here the monoids which kind of seems like a mean thing to call somebody who only has <laughs> one eye uh-huh you know yeah seriously. It's, a little, I mean, it's a little bit like the cyclops thing doesn't that also have something to do with only having one eye i think so um, yeah i don't know greek that well but i'm pretty sure that's the case i mean i mean do do the monoids call the humans duoids <laughs> well the, i think the monoids don't call anything anything because they don't have mouths they just have meowths uh-huh <laughs> the humans are all dressed pretty similarly to each other they have these big sort of yokes or like collars of fabric kind of up at their neck and shoulder area and huh. then they just have a bunch of like long thin strips of fabric hanging down from their collars and a belt around their waist and then they've got like underwear or swimsuit material underneath and that's about it very sexy <laughs> uh-huh totally <laughs> uh, well, uh, listeners, if any of you uh, dresses these guys for Halloween, uh, nah, I mean, I mean, it's around Halloween time now for us, but I imagine that by the time this comes out, we'll probably have blown past Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have my production chart up at the moment, but I'm sure this episode's probably coming out later. Sorry, listeners, we may have let you down on this one. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you would have all been eager to dress as these guys for Halloween. You if could it start had come out earlier. You could start planning your costume of dressing for these guys next year. Yes. So this guy 
who has just been sentenced guilty, the the sentence is miniaturization for 700 years. Oh, shit. Yeah, apparently the only other alternative under galactic law would be expulsion. So this is considered to be the more lenient sentence. Okay, I mean, I guess the expulsion's permanent and the miniaturization only lasts 700 years. So <laughs> uh-huh. I guess that follows. He steps into the miniaturization booth and first he kind of squats down and then he just like shrinks until he's no longer visible. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's what we all thought miniaturization would mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. One of the humans like picks up a tray basically from the booth that we assume this prisoner is on and a human communicates with a monoid via sign language. Cool. And then thanks everyone on behalf of the monoids. All right. Interesting. Meanwhile, in the nearby jungle, Dodo, Stephen, and the doctor are checking out this elephant that shows up. Okay. The doctor determines that it's an Indian elephant, which is definitely super weird. Flowers from America, birds from Africa, a snake from Brazil, and now an elephant from India. Exactly, my dear. Well, they did say earlier that they might be in a zoo, right? Yeah. But what's even weirder than that is that the ground is kind of vibrating a little bit. It's too regular to be an earthquake or, like, animal approaching. It's a heartbeat. And the doctor points out that there's no sky. No sun, no clouds, merely a metal roof radiating some kind of light. A steel sky? <laughs> the uh, production <laughs> assistants with the confetti cannons are like eagerly leaning forward. Uh-huh. <laughs> they all actually very carefully avoid saying the phrase the steel sky. I think it's probably because they blew their fireworks and confetti budget on the sea beggar a few <laughs> episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. The doctor thinks that they must be in some large indoor nature park. Cool. They all basically continue to speculate. Dodo sneezes again, and the doctor finally notices that she's been playing in the wardrobe and scolds her for it. I'm not playing at anything. Is it all right to wear them? Or do I have to ask permission for that as well? Yes, you do, my dear. Now, you take care of them. You never know when they might use them. I, I was wondering if it would be that she just, like, randomly picked out this outfit for fun, or if it, they'd do the sort of thing where they'd at some point be like, oh, man, yeah, that adventure back in medieval times sure was <laughs> wild. Uh-huh. Uh, let's go on to this new one. <laughs> no, they're, they're basically implying that she just picked it out for fun. Also fun. Also you know, spunky and irrepressible uh-huh. <laughs> on, uh, on the part of our young teen girl character here. We do see that the shaggy nudist from the start is still watching them. This podcast is amazing. 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 The emissaries from the seven planets will arrive as arranged, and we will tell them all about this podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends.
write a review and leave it with a five star rating. We, we obey. obey. We obey. We cut over to the human monoid city where we see a busy street. Cool, cool. That means that we have a lot of actors in this one, I, I presume. Yeah, they're they, probably they like a, makeup on, uh, a on couple a of, of dozen extras. Uh, nice. Yeah, at least a few of them are in shaggy nudist suits. Okay, cool. There are humans and shaggy nudists sign languaging at each other. Cool. Somebody's driving sort of a cart through the scene. There are a few kids playing. And Zentos nice. is reporting to his commander that the monoids reported intruders in the jungle. Is Zentos a human or a monoid? Uh, Zentos is human. Okay, cool. Well, I guess if he's reporting it and we can we can hear him, then, then yeah. that would be, uh, you know, make him human. Yeah. So Zentos and the commander pull up a live stream of the jungle on their wow, main view screen. You <laughs> uh-huh. can watch on video something happening right now. <laughs> How futuristic. They are, of course, surprised to see humans there in the jungle, as well as the TARDIS. Father, look, it seems to be their spaceship. It is an unusual design. Yes, and we love it. Mm-hmm. So they decide to bring them in for questioning. But Zentos, not arrested, invited. I like this planet. Doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, it seems pretty chill so far. I mean, I think uh, I worry that we might end up miniaturized at some point. But <laughs> we've, we've, we've had characters be tiny before. Yeah, I was about it to was say. No big deal. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to say they've survived it once, but I guess the doctor's the only one here who has survived it. Yeah. Yeah. Dodo finds some rock paintings depicting two-headed zebras. (laughs) Nice. They all kind of wonder whether the artist was using their imagination or not, basically, depicting what they were actually seeing. Mm -hmm. And as they wonder this, an alarm goes off. Steven starts heading back toward the TARDIS and sees that there are some shaggy nudists investigating it. (laughs) So he heads back to the doctor and Dodo, telling them that he doesn't like the look of these creatures. Oh, come on. Yeah, Stephen's kind of racist here. Mm -hmm. These creatures are apparently heading their way. So the three of them head into a nearby cave that Dodo found. Cool. Always a fan of a good cave. (laughs) They hide out in this cave for a few moments as they hear the monoids like messing around outside. The GM asks Jackie Lane, who plays Dodo, to roll a constitution check. Uh Uh-oh. She almost sneezes, but (laughs) Steven steps over and clamps his hand over her mouth just in time. I guess, you know, he rolled an assist, basically. Yeah. And 
is able to temporarily stifle the sneeze until they can't hear the monoids anymore. For some reason, I, I know this probably isn't what happened because he said he clamped his hand over her mouth, but I'm picturing like one of those old cartoons where you slip the finger under the nose. <laughs> apparently that helps stifle sneezes. It never seems to work for me. But uh-huh. The doctor starts leading the way out of the cave back toward the TARDIS, but it's becoming clear that Dodo has a cold or something, and it seems to be getting worse. I I honestly just assumed that it was allergies, given all the plants and things around. Yeah, that was what I thought at first, too. Maybe that's just because I have allergies, and that's <laughs> where my, my mind goes. Uh-huh. Out in the jungle, everybody rolls perception checks. They don't roll, like, that badly, but they also don't really roll that well. So they do notice what looks like a cityscape beyond the jungle. Very cool. Which I'm, I'm guessing a matte painting or a miniature of some sort. Yeah, I think this was a matte painting, if I remember. Big fan here, big fan. It It causes the doctor to decide that they must be on a spaceship, like a giant spaceship. Okay, I'm sure. I, that probably makes sense to him. <laughs> uh-huh. Dodo is the only one who rolls well enough to see that there are probably a dozen or so monoids that are all crouched down in the clearing that the PCs have walked into. Oh, dang. So the monoids all stand up. They're all holding sticks, and we cut away. Huh. Well, I hope our our, uh, characters here don't assume ill intents where caution is uh, the only thing happening. Yeah. I I managed to make that sentence very convoluted, but yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I think from what we've seen, the monoids seem to be a fairly peaceful people, um, and yet... uh, we already know Stephen doesn't like the look of them, and I think our, our heroes may do something kind of rash here. Yeah, that does seem like the kind of thing that this current group of PCs might do. Mm-hmm. We cut to some indeterminate time later where Stephen is being interrogated about who they are and why they're here. Okay. He explains that the TARDIS can travel through space and time, and it brought them here, but they didn't choose to come. You know, the TARDIS yeah. just, just brought them. Yeah, yeah. His questioner doesn't understand. I don't understand. Experiments to pass through the fourth dimension were undertaken in the 27th segment of time. They were unsuccessful. The 27th segment of time. Uh-huh. I dig that. Not the 27th century, no. Yeah, 27th segment. segmented here? Who knows, yeah, who knows how long a segment is. Stephen's just like, look, I don't fucking know. Ask the doctor. Uh-huh. Stephen starts asking them about the spaceship they're all on, and he starts unlocking the backstory dialogue nodes. Very cool. He learns that the humans are from Earth, and the monoids came to Earth a long time ago, claiming that their own planet was dying. They offered us their invaluable services, 
for being allowed to come on this joint voyage. Huh. Slightly sus, but it seems to have worked out so far. Uh-huh. This voyage, of course, is being undertaken because Earth is now dying. In a short time, it will burn and be swallowed in the pull of the sun. And we must have journeyed forward millions of years. Wow, and people still look the exact same. <laughs> and even have English accents and uh-huh. uh, speak using the same vocabulary and grammar that we're all used to. <laughs> Amazing how, like, 1960s Britain was the pinnacle of human evolution and nothing had to change <laughs> since then. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me, I, I uh, you know, when I was listening to the finalized version of our episodes from the previous serial, it is funny to hear them being in Paris and to have characters being like, Oi, blimey, here we are in Paris. Uh-huh. <laughs> right this way, governor. <laughs> Watch out for them Catholics. <laughs> like, okay, what part of Paris are we in exactly? <laughs> yeah. This spaceship that they're on is headed to the planet Refusus 2. Very cool. Where the humans and monoids hope to make their new homes. I I, I like that these classic sci-fi planet names have kind of always had this structure. That sounds very Star Trek to me. Or, yeah, just good good classic sci-fi planet name. Yeah, totally. I guess if this was a Star Trek planet, that would probably be like a a garbage planet, because it sounds a bit like refuse. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't turn out that way for our our uh, humans and monoids here. <laughs> One of the humans on this ship starts to worry that the PCs might be refusians sent to sabotage <laughs> the mission. Oh no! <laughs> The doctor steps out with Dodo, and he's basically like, nope, we're just regular people. Look, she's even got the common cold right now, as Dodo sneezes again. And it doesn't get any more human than that. Uh-huh. It actually... And, uh, I, I did notice that this highly strongly implies that the doctor is a normal human being. That is what the doctor is implying here, yeah. Interesting. It seems that... These humans, though, cured the common cold a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, man, put me on that spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor tells them about a few of the things that they've done on their adventures, but apparently everything that he mentions is in the first segment of time, and they are currently in the 57th segment which the doctor thinks is at least 10 million years ahead of when they previously were. Wow, that's very cool. If they've cured the common cold and Dodo is sneezing it up, does that mean that she's going to reintroduce it because they don't have any immunity anymore? Uh, You might want to hold on to that thought for a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So this journey to Refusus 2... Refusus 2. ...is going to take about 700 years. So ah, that's how long our friend was miniaturized for. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, they're basically just, like, putting him in cold storage for the length of the journey. That's not so bad. 
of course, the current humans that our PCs are interacting with won't get to experience Refusus themselves. It's going to be like their descendants several generations down. Yeah, when uh, when they, that one person got miniaturized for 700 years, I was like, do people live for 700 years now? Uh, is that just kind of like you're going to spend the rest of your life? You know, it's like one of those, you know, you person gets 250 years for terrible crime or something. Or like you, I guess you said you were saying it's like a cold storage type deal. Yeah, I don't remember if if we see that in this episode or in the next episode, but yeah, it becomes clear that it's basically stasis, essentially. That's such a weird idea for um, like a punishment, though, because if you're not aware of what's happening, then what's the point? Uh-huh. Like, you know, I mean, it would suck to basically have everyone you know and love die 700 years earlier than when you wake up. But uh, actually, no, okay, fine, that does kind of suck. But, yeah. Yeah, I feel like... like Maybe it's like in Demolition Man where they program you with good behaviors and teach you how to knit. Uh-huh. I feel like even though I mentioned punishment at the start, I think it's probably less about punishment and more just about, like, we can't have this dude fucking up our heat exchange unit. And that's true. So they, they threaten the human race. Uh-huh. Let's just kind of put them aside until we're in a position that we don't need to depend on the heat exchange unit anymore. I mean, you could just give them a new job, but okay, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, these people don't get to experience Refusus, but in the meantime, they are the guardians of the human race. Nice. And what I said a few moments ago that I wasn't sure if it was in this episode or the next one, it's actually right now. They show our PCs how this spaceship actually contains the entire population of Earth, but like most of them are miniaturized and in the cold storage. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we don't get, like, I don't think they say actual numbers, but they're presumably, like, you know, billions of people miniaturized and in storage on the journey, and, you know, probably, like, a few hundred or a few thousand or whatever who are alive and awake on the ship. Yeah, I feel like there have been a couple of movies like that, yeah. Um, Pandorum, I think, is one of them. Uh... There was one with Crisp Rat that I don't remember the, the title of because I never bothered seeing it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, interesting, cool. Dodo says that it's like the Ark. They don't really know what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't have religious references anymore. <laughs> uh-huh. They decide to show Stephen and Dodo the cool statue that they're building. Cool. For yes, now. please. Yeah. I'll click on that quest line. <laughs> <laughs> For now, it's basically just a giant foot. Okay. I mean, you got to start somewhere. That seems like a logical place to begin. <laughs> uh-huh. They're planning for it to take 700 years to build. So I mean, the time is going to pass anyway. Yeah. 
they and their descendants get to work on it and like watch it slowly grow as they make their journey. Cool. That sounds neat. Up until, you know, you reach the generation where they're like, this sucks. <laughs> We're just going to leave these, you know, giant feet and calves here and uh-huh. not even bother with finishing it. It reminds me of a Calvin and Hobbes where Calvin is saying he's going to build a giant snowman and he rolls this big, you know, snowball and Hobbes is like, wow, that's a lot of work. And Calvin's like, we're not done yet. That was just one of his toes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hobbes like stuffs Calvin into the snowball. Nice. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Anyway, yeah. Please continue. Sorry, Cal. So they do have a schematic of the final design, which they show Dodo and Steven. And it's basically, as you might expect, a giant person holding a sphere, which is the shape of the spaceship. Is this giant person human or monoid? Uh, human. And because it's uh, the 1960s, is this giant person uh, visibly gendered? And if so, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, 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 do I even have to finish asking this question? <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember for sure, but I think it could be, could have been plausibly androgynous. Okay, that would be a, a, a welcome surprise. Uh-huh. I'll leave this in if that was indeed the case. <laughs> we can look this up, I, I guess. So just then, a cart drives onto the set, and there's a monoid laying on the back, kind of in you know the cargo area of the cart. Apparently, this monoid is sick, and the commander of the humans is also not feeling that great. So earlier, when you told me to hold on a few minutes, <laughs> I have held on a few minutes. <laughs> Indeed. And here comes that plot line. Yep, it does in fact seem that Dodo's cold is spreading pretty quickly through the population, who has no immunity since it was eradicated like several generations ago. Mm-hmm. The doctor is concerned that it might be fatal and that the PCs will be to blame. And <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we, we were uh, given, giving that uh, heat exchange person a hard time earlier, but <laughs> uh-huh. uh, if, if we inadvertently wipe out the human race and the monoid race, oh, that's going to be a, a, a big oops. <laughs> and yeah, sure enough, like pretty quickly, the sick monoid on the back of the cart dies. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Zentos, who seems to be acting as like the main security person, orders the PCs to be taken into custody so they can be made to suffer for the crime they have committed. Oh, dang. And then the words on the screen appear and say? Oh, not quite yet. We get like one final scene where the sick commander and his daughter worry that Everyone going to quarantine, bro. <laughs> uh-huh. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, they really uh, don't. These people don't do much uh, of that. Uh, it's been a while since uh, COVID, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> They're worried that everyone might die, in which case leaving Earth was pointless. Oh dang! 
And yeah, and then, then the words say, as they consider this possibility, the words next episode, the plague appear on screen. So I'm guessing everyone doesn't just get better uh, overnight then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like we're going to deal with this for at least another episode. Um, could that be related to the name of the serial by any chance? Oh, in fact, the name of the serial is The Ark. Oh, also cool. Yeah. Well, that was a fun episode. I, I feel like I was just smiling through all of it. I like, <laughs> I like the monoids. I, I got my weird alien. I like the sci-fi-ness of it. I like our little spaceship Earth, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I like the, the, the weirdness of the um, conflict with the common cold. This is a fun one. Yeah, I thought so too. And yeah, it's good to be kind of in the future but still dealing with humans and aliens and yeah hella in the future this is the furthest ahead we've been i think yeah i think it probably is in fact yeah i'm sure it is because everything the doctor has done apparently was in the first segment of time oh yeah yeah cool very cool i dig it um, so since this was Dodo's first full episode, how are you liking her as a character and a companion? So they're definitely leaning pretty hard into the whole, what do we call it? Kind of spunky and uh-huh. yeah, that whole vibe with her. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she's definitely like 1960s youth type thing. Hmm. So, you know, I think she's she's very much a stereotype of a Doctor Who teenage female companion, <laughs> but uh-huh. you know, it's it's a fun stereotype. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we'll see how often the Doctor calls her my dear child, or talks down to her, or dismisses her. But uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. what seems. Uh-huh. What seems to be happening is instead of calling her my child or, or you know, young girl or whatever, he uh-huh. seems to be just calling her Dorothea when she wants to be called Dodo. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know... I mean, just in general, you should call people by the name they want to go by. Yeah. All right. Well, well, uh... All right, well, we'll maybe check in on, on how Dodo's doing a few more episodes from now or a little further into, uh, you know, we'll see how long she lasts as a companion. We're going through it pretty quick, right? Seriously. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how she turns out. Cool. Did you have any other notes for us? Nope, I think that was it. All right. Well, in that case, we'd like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can check him out on Bandcamp and SoundCloud, and there are links in the show notes, and email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. You can write to us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, 
leave us a five-star review, tell your friends. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listen to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. Um, we'll see you in two weeks, I guess. I think I did this all out of order, but yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Um, for The Plague. The Plague. Hope you've had your shots. Yep. There's a new booster out there, folks. Go get it. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Well, we'll see you fully boosted in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Yourself, I take it, are human. Well, yes, of course. Why do you doubt it? I could be refusians sent here to intercept us to sabotage our mission. Oh, refusians from the planet you're heading for? Explain. We only know of them as intelligences that inhabit that planet. They might have a way of assuming human bodies, of using them to pass, to mingle amongst us. Oh, rubbish, rubbish. With all our imperfections, I can assure you, sir, if you were to cut my skin, I would bleed the same as you would. That's right. <laughs> There, you see, complete the chills. Chills? A virus fever, which used to be quite common to the human being. <laughs> and cured so long ago, we've forgotten what it was like. Fascinating. <laughs> it's like history coming to life.